Good morning, everybody. Amazingly, whew, we're at the finish line. Tafchaf in Meseches Pesachim is what we will, Be'ezrat Hashem, learn today. And Tafchaf uh, Aleph, we already started a new parak. So, and today, Be'ezrat Hashem, we will not finish the parak because it's on the next daf. And we're starting 12 lines up from the bottom of Yates Ahmed Bez. But we will finish of Chanin Eskana Kohanim, Be'ezrat Hashem. So, Great job, everybody. It's been quite a week, and nobody could ever take it away from you. You learned through Chanina Skana Kohanim, at least reread the words. But um, we, I think we learned a lot. Thank you, Kalman, for your insights uh, and infusion. I hope this isn't your last day, because he's known for loving Chanina Skana Kohanim. That's his sugya. Okay, so 12 lines up from the bottom of your Testament base. So we go back to talking about the needle found in the flesh of the Korban. So Remember, there was a needle, it was tummy, and it was found in the meat. And we were questioning, uh, when we learned uh, Rav Hanina's testimony, as it were, that, that we assumed that the needle was tummy. The question is, why would you assume that? So there were, first the discussion was, well, can you assume when you see something in the streets of Yerushalayim, or outside the streets of Yerushalayim, or in certain areas where Tomei people walk, and you have a suffix, can you assume that that item is in fact Tomei or not? Did this animal, perhaps this animal came from outside Yerushalayim, and it was it had a muzzle on, and therefore we know for sure that, what, that it ingested this needle outside Yerushalayim? Those were some of the suggestions, and that was a very, very interesting discussion Right, calendrical coincidence, we should say, I should have started by saying, Happy Hanukkah, everybody. It's the first day of Hanukkah today. And we are talking about the idea of the Tumah B'Rishis Rabim, which is the famous kasha, that the oil itself, which is very related to our sugyas, the first thing that the Kohanim were being tested by Chagai, um, the Tumah Vitara was always going to be an indication of the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash. It's during the time of the Beis HaMikdash and the Karbanas, we have to worry about the Tumah Vitaras. So maybe we have to worry about it as we celebrate Hanukkah. Maybe we have to worry about it again very soon. Okay, so those were all the suggestions. Now, one of the suggestions you might recall was that you recognize this pin. You know where this pin has been. It's Aunt Mildred's pin. She's part of the Hever Kadisha. She handled Tmei Mace. She was wearing this pin like as a brooch, let's say. And now you recognize that pin. So says the Gemara. And according to Rav, who says that the case is the reason why the pin is tame is because of the lomachat because he lost the pin to May mace right and Mildred lost the pin and she we know that she was tame mace because she was handling a mace vehikira babasar and sure enough we said that's at Mildred's very singularly unique brooch we see it that's where it is it somehow managed to stick itself into the flesh of this inside of this animal so according to that man de Amar how. Why then do we say that we know that a person's hands and or knife, as he's shechting it, the cards of the hands or knife might become tummy? Kevin the Amar Mar Bechalal Cherev. Well, we have a pasuk, right? We have a pasuk that whenever metals on metal, um, that the me- or metal touches tuma, I should say, it actually can contract that tuma. That pasuk of Bechalal Cherev teaches us what the Cherev Harehu Kechalal. That metal objects that touch Tumas Mace become like a halal, which is to say that metal is very susceptible to Tumas Mace. It requires the same degree of Tumah, and therefore, if in fact 
and Mildred was handling the brooch while she was part of the Chavetz Kedisha, then that, that needle is in fact going to be an Ava Tumah. It's going to be a very high level of Tumah if that's the case. So we're saying, according to Rav, we actually found a very, very highly Tame needle here. So then, according to that opinion, therefore, the Gemara says, So therefore, the needle should be contaminating the coin's hands and, and also the, the, the knife, the chalaf, right? It should also be, um, it should also be in metame, the shechita knife. So then, why are we saying that the hands and the shechita knife are tahor? So the Gemara answers, Amar Vashi Zotomeret, Azara Rishus Harabim he, the Havales Fake Tuma Rishus Harabim, Amazing Chiddush is what I mean for Hanukkah. Ravashi is saying it's a Chiddush. The Chiddush is that the Azara, right, the courtyard of the base of Mikdash is a, considered a Rishus Harabim irrespective of how many people are there. Now this harkens back to Meseches Shabbos, right? What is the definition of Rishus Harabim? So remember, just because you're in Yerushalayim, let's say, or outside, wherever you are, it doesn't mean that you're an actual Rosh Hashanah. That would require tremendous, like, right, a tremendous amount of people. We have criteria for Rosh Hashanah. 600,000 people, etc. So, Azara doesn't have that number of people. However, it does have a very high traffic. And because of that, we hold that even if you have a minimum of three people, that area would be considered Rosh Hashanah. That's the Chiddush. Once you have that Chiddush, then you could say that this needle is a suffix tumah, and then if it's a suffix tumah, it's in Rishus Harabim, because of the fact that Rishus Harabim is such a high traffic area, we say that anything that's in a high traffic area that's a suffix tumah is tahor. And, it's, and once it's tahor, in other words, it's tahor because there's so many people that you can't possibly know that it's tahor. Now the needle that they found, it wasn't a suffix tumah. That was Aunt Mildred's needle. I, I could see that... It, but, but, but remember, we weren't sure whether we touched it. That's the point. In other words, when they did the shechita, the suffix tumah is on the hands and on the, and then on, on the knife. They weren't 100% sure that they touched it. So the hands and the knife are a suffix tumah, but you're right. Your eyes that are telling me that the needle itself is not a suffix tumah, that, that is correct. Okay? But the hands and the knife are suffix tumah. He had a, uh, Rashi says it. Says Rashi. Uh, right? It's the suffix there is whether he touched it, not whether the needle is, is tummy. Okay. Right? Because according to Rav, we know that the needle is tummy, we recognize the needle. But the hands or the, the knife are a suffix, and it's in Rishusarabim, etc. Okay. All right, now, is this a precise answer? Let's see. The Gemara says, well, So he says, wait a minute. If your whole point is that the reason why we could say that the hands and the knife are tahor is because we consider the Azara to be a Rishus Rabim, the implication then is that if the Azara was a Rishus HaYachid, that the hands and the knife would be tame. Let's see if that actually turns out to be true. Mekdi, let us see. Hai machat dasli well, the needle is what? It's an inanimate object. You can't ask it whether, where it's been. Right? Um, the needle, and also, it also contaminates a knife that you can't ask it where it's been. 
Sveiko Tahar. Now we have a separate, right, separate halacha, right, because we have a suffix, and as Rashi explains, the whole idea, right, of the suffix Tuma is learned out of Sota, right, we know that the Sota itself, she's a suffix Tuma, because we don't know, she was, um, she's been accused of infidelity, um, and so that accusation creates a doubt, and then we resolve, as we were talking about before with the May Sota, we resolve that doubt. So she's a Suffolk Tame, but she herself knows the reality. So she's a Dover, she Yeshbo Dasli Shail. So the Limud we learn from there is that any time you have a Suffolk Tuma of an inanimate object that you can't ask it, then it's Feiko Tahor. Now we'd have to obviously learn to see where that would apply, because if that's really true, so then why is there ever any type of Suffolk Tuma? So we'll see that this this uh, hava amina, that all inanimate objects, the suffix tuma, their suffix tuma is, in fact, uh, tahor is going to be short-lived, hava amina. Be that as it may, what the Gemara is saying now is that Rav Ashi implies that the only reason the hands are tahor is because we have a suffix um, that in, in, a, in what is considered a shisarabim, because the Azar is considered a shisarabim. So what the Gemara is saying now is the implication of Ravashi is that if it was an Yachid, that it would in fact be Tameh, but it's an inanimate object. So the fact of the matter is that if it was an Yachid, we would also consider it to be Tahar because it's an inanimate object. So says the Gemara, no. That's not exactly a good inference because Mishum Dehave Suffolk Tumah Habah Adam. It is in fact, right, the object itself was, was, um, was a suffix tumma that was as a consequence of the actions of a person. We're going to see how this is so. Let's see. Rabbi Yochanan, be that as it may, Rabbi Yochanan held that when you have a suffix tumma that's a consequence of an action of a person, which is called suffix tumma hababi de adam, right? As we get to, let's see the last Rashi before we get to Chafam Ralef. What does it mean? So Rashi says, Adam haya asukba. That it's in fact true. So again, the, that, that we said as follows, that Ravashi said that the reason why the hands and the knife are tahor is because the azar is considered to be Rishos HaYachin. And Suffolk, Tameh, Rishos I said, I said Yachin, I meant Rabin, because the azar is considered Rishos Rabin. And Suffolk Tumah Bishos HaRabim, it's considered to be Tahor. We said, well, we're challenging the inference, therefore, that if the Azar was Bishos HaYachid, that the needle would be Tameh. We said, that may not be true, because the needle is an inanimate object. So says Rashi, and explains the Gemara, that, uh, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, that if you have an inanimate object that was handled by a human being, right, be day Adam, so that in fact it would be Tame, which means that Ravashi's inference is correct, that even though it's an inanimate object, right, which normally you'd say is fake Tahor, in this case, the knife is an inanimate object which is Sveiko Tame, because even though it itself can't be interrogated, so to speak, it doesn't know where it's been, so to speak, the handler of the said knife the coin, he or he who shechted this animal, he was the one holding the knife, and since he himself has das, right, then it's as if the inanimate object itself 
has that, so to speak, can be, can be interrogated, and therefore the knife could become Tameh, even though it's an inanimate object. We call that concept, right? Suffolk Tumah Habab Bidei Adam. Okay. So, so again, the Amar Yachran Suffolk Tumah Habab Adam, as we get to Chafam Aleph, Nishalin Alea, right? You can, in fact, make a, a, a legal decision about it. Even if, even if it's not even hand, handled at the time in the hand of the person who used it, but even though it's an inanimate object and sitting on the ground, it's, it can be in fact treated, says the Gemara. It can be treated like something that actually, right, that actually, um, you can interrogate just like a sota, and therefore it is true that inanimate objects can, in fact, uh, have a suffix, uh, tuma that, in, that we will call it tame because it is, in fact, can be considered, right, like a sota in the sense that you can investigate. And so the reason, again, why these hands and this knife, in our case, in the testimony of Hanina Skana Kohanim, the reason why that they're going to be tahar is not going to be because they're in a shusha yachid, because then they could be tamei in a shusha yachid. They're in fact going to be tahar by virtue of having been in the azara, which the chiddush is is always as long as there's three people in there or more, is always treated like a shusha rabim and suffik tuma b'shusha rabim is tahar. And therefore, if you find oil in the azara, which is considered a shusha rabim, and you have a suffik whether that oil is tamei. So maybe it could be treated as tahar, but we are going to always look to be mahadrim and mahadrin on this first day of Hanukkah and find the tahar uh, jug of oil regardless. Okay, now let's go to the next, we're going to take the next couple of pieces of Avchanin Eskana Kohanim and then we'll finish that section. So the next section is two lines down, Chafam Adalf, Vehabasar Tameh, that the flesh is Tameh. So says the Gemara, ask the Gemara an interesting question. We always say that solids can't become tame unless they are moistened by liquids. That's called the hechsher lakabel as we discussed. So ask the Gemara, hi basar dit kasher b'may. What did this meat, what did this flesh of the animal get moistened by so as to be considered tame? In other words, you have a dry, oh, it's interesting. I've, I've been to, have you ever had dry needling at the chiropractor? Oh, you have, Andrew, very good. Yeah, I think I might get it today. Not because I want to go. My son says, as a, as a Hanukkah gift, he wants to be taken to the chiropractor. You ever heard of such a thing? These 20-year-olds are, are, are a different breed these days. Anyway, dry needling. So that <laughs> made me think of it because you have a needle in dry flesh. Okay? Now, if the needle's in dry flesh, how is the flesh going to be tummy? It doesn't have any moisture on it. Nothing is being machshirit l'kabal tuma. That's the question of this Gemara. Hai basar di shkasher so, so maybe you'll say the interstitial blood, right? The blood that's around the animal that's flowing around while you're shechting it, okay? We already said this, that the only kind of dam, now again, what needs to moisten uh, solids in order to make it one of the zayin mashkim, Right? Yad Shachadam. So we said Yain, Dvash, right? Um, and then, and then the Shachad is the Chalav, the, I, o- I always forget the Shin. Yain, Dvash, Shemin, right? Thank you. Uh, you would think on the first night of Hanukkah I'd remember Shemin. 
Okay, so maybe now, from now on, I'll always remember because of in the Schus of Hanukkah. So Yad Shachadam, Yain, Dvash, Shemen, right? Shachat, Chalav, Tal, and then Dam, and then Maim. So, okay, so those are the Zion Mashkim. So the question is, Dam is one of the Zion Mashkim, and it should be considered something that that um, primes, so to speak, the solids in order to be Mechabal Tumah. However, this dam is, has to be, we learn from the Pasuk, that it's not just any dam. It has to be dam that's treated like water. So, kachim is not dam that's treated like water, because kachim, you're not allowed to let it spill onto the ground and go to waste, right? The dam of kachim is collected in one of the clay hamikdash, and then it's thrown on the mizbeach. That blood is a very different level of blood. So there's blood and there's blood. Just because it looks like blood and blood is thicker than water, you should know, Andrew, but just because it looks like blood doesn't mean that it can be machshil kabaltoma. Dam kachim is specifically not machshil kabaltoma. And in fact, this is a carbon that's being shechted. So by definition, this blood were being collected in a vessel. That's not going to be the blood that's going to be able to be machshil is kabaltoma. So again, if you're going to think that it's the blood of this carbon, so only that blood, as we just said, that can be spilled on the ground is going to be machshel kabotuma. So the Gemara says, okay, so then maybe there's another suggestion as to how this uh, meat is being machshel kabotuma. Maybe ve'eladit kasher b'mashke beis mit bechaya. So we said before the difference between the beit mit bechaya and the beit mizbechaya. Beit mizbechaya is everything that goes on the mizbeach. So that's going to be the water, the blood, the oil, or the wine. But here it's beis mit bechaya which is the shechting, right? We're not shechting on top of the Mizbeach. We're in fact shechting in the, in the shechting section of the, uh, uh, right? In the se- in, in our, there's a separate shechting area. And in that shechting area, there was no wine there ever. There was no oil. That was purely blood and water. Okay. So you say, maybe the mashke beit mit bechaya. So if it's not the blood of the korban, so it would have to be the water. Because they used to, when they brought the korban, they used to wash the actual meat of the carbonos with water. So maybe that water, well, that makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, you took the meat and then you washed it, but wait a second. When did you wash it? You washed it at what stage? So let's see. Well, we have a straight-up statement from Rabbi Yossi in the name of Rabbi that, in fact, those water that was in the Beit Mitbechaya, in the area, in the Shechting area, that water specifically has the halacha that not only is it tahar, dachan, as you might recall, means tahar, ela she'en machshirin, that that water is, is also, uh, not machshir, this water, and so therefore it can't be that this water made the, the flesh susceptible to tumah. Now, that was actually a machlokas, you might recall. That was Rabbi Yehuda's original position, that li- that liquid is not machshir, but we'll see. Uh, uh, it's, it's not, as Birnbaum says, this is not Pashut, but let's, but the Gemara will reveal this, um, anyway, so let's continue. So let's, so the Gemara says another explanation, okay. hakodesh, a beautiful idea. Chibas hakodesh, says Rashi. Chibas hakodesh, mechsharta, lavoli de tumah, 
the Kaimlon Beperik Sheni Dishita Schulin Chibatsa Kodesh, Mashvila Ochalikibule Tuma. What Rashi here is saying is a beautiful idea. Chibatsa Kodesh, the esteem, the esteem for, for holy things. What does that mean? It means that why, we're learning something unusual. Why is it that a food that's dry needs to be moistened in order to be Makadal Tuma? Because dry foods in those days were not considered really edible or were not considered edible enough to have uh, status, we'll call it, okay? So they needed to be moistened in order to be considered the most edible and therefore to have status. Well, Kachim don't need to be moistened to have status. They already have status. They're coming in and they already have Chashivas and that's called Chibas HaKodesh. That the food, therefore, well, that would mean that the Kachim don't need to be Muksher at all because they come with status regardless of that moistening. Aha. Okay. So that is the, the explanation, that this basar of the animal that was shechted doesn't need to be moksha l'kabal tumah. Okay. So says the Gemara, Emor de chibas ha-kodesh. He says, wait a minute. Are you sure that chibas ha-kodesh, what we call the esteem, right, the chashivas of this uh, is going to is going to be with regards to make it unfit for consumption. He says, Lemimna Rishon Vesheni Nami. So he said, okay. With regards to the food itself, to the kachim, that it can be Makabal So for that, you could say Chibas HaKodesh works. But are you absolutely sure what was the case here? You shechted the cow, and the cow had flesh in it, and the flesh had a needle stuck in it. In order for the needle to be tame, the flesh of the cow would not would have to not only be makabal tuma, but would have to also be able to give tuma, to impart tuma. And so what the Gemara is saying here is, okay, so let's say chibas hakodesh, the fact that this had status, makes it so it doesn't need to be mukshul makabal tuma. Sorry, it wasn't a great question. How did this become tuma? Tame, maybe, but maybe, but are you sure that this tame meat? Also does not, uh, also gives it the power, that this Chibat Sakodesh gives it the power not only to be Makabal Tumah, but also to impart Tumah to the needle, in our case, to pass along Tumah. I'm not so sure. Tiv shows the body of the Reish Lakish, because if it was true, and this is a little bit of an exercise here, if it was true that Kachim have the ability not only to be Makabal Tumah, but also to impart Tumah to other things, then Reish Lakish would not have had a conundrum and a confusion about the following halacha. What was Reish Lakish's confusion? As follows. Sarid Shel Menachos, he inquired the following question. Let's say you found a dry lump in your mincha, right? In your, you have, you have the um, flour and you have the korban mincha you're about to bring, but now you have Tsarid, right? Sarud is when you have a sore throat. Your throat is dry. You have, it's dry. And, and this dry lump of mincha Moninbo Rishon Vesheni Olo. And the question with regards to this dry lump in the mincha, in the mincha, the question that Reish Lakish had was whether we count it in the right sequence of Rishon and Sheni. What's the question? The real question is, you have a lump of a, basically a korban mincha, right? The korban that comes from carbs. And the, this korban Touches something else, and we know there was it was metame. We know it became tame. The question is, Reish Lakish wants to know, can it make something else tame? Well, this lump of dry 
carbs, this dry, lump of dry flour is in fact a carbon. And if we had Chiba Sakodesh, and we knew that Chiba Sakodesh in every instance has the ability not only to contract Tumah, but to impart Tumah to something else, then Reish Lakish would not have been confused. He would have never asked the question. It would have been obvious to him that because of Chiba Sakodesh, this dry lump of the carbon Mincha can in fact contract Tumah and impart Tumah. And since it would have been right obvious to him, then he would have never asked the question. But we see from the fact that Reish Lakish did in fact ask the question and was unsure as to whether this carbon mincha imparts toma to something else, that indicates to us that Chiba Sakodesh probably does not have the ability to impart toma to something else. Because if it did, Rish Lakish would have been aware of it and would have never asked the question. So again, what we're learning from here is that Chiba Sakodesh can make it such that we certainly should be tahor around these kachim because we can make these kachim tame irrespective of whether it's moistened. Mind you, this dry clump of mincha was by definition dry and therefore not moistened. And that made Rish Lakish not sure whether the chibas kodesh, the aspect of it being kodesh in itself, enables it to be metame other things. So it can't be that the needle became tame from the basar because of the chibas kodesh of the basar that it was stuck in because in fact that, that chibas kodesh makes the basar potentially tame but not tame enough to be metame the needle. So the more answers, I'm Yudah, I'm Shmuel, because on Shehaisa, Parash, Azivchei, Shlomim. Ah, Yudah, Shmuel says, this is how the needle got Tameh. That it wasn't because of Chibas HaKodesh, because that's not enough to impart Tumah. And it wasn't because of the Dam of the, the Shechtim, because that's not uh, considered one of the Zayin Mashkim, because all our arts Kamaim, and you need to have the Dam be Dam that can be thrown on the ground. So therefore, how did this meat, this flesh of the animal, become to to the extent that it could have imparted the tumah onto the needle. Rabbi Yehudah Amr says it was a partial zivchei shlamim. What is, what is unusual about the shlamim? The shlamim was often, often hydrated. The animal would be hydrated by its owner, run hydrated all over the place. It would make the animal drink a lot and bring it through a river. What's going on here? Why are we hydrating this animal so much? Because the owners of the Korban Shlomim were allowed to keep the skin of the animal. And therefore they wanted the skin to be easily removable and peeled off without tearing. And this was valuable to them. And in order to do that, they would have to hydrate the animal because that made it much easier to take the skin off of the animal. And so this was common practice. Okay. Common practice specifically with the Shlomim because of that halacha that they could keep the skin. So what's going on here? The case is, right? So they took the para of the shlamim and they walked it through the river. So then, as was very commonly the case, when this shchit of the korban shlamim was taking place, the animal was soaking wet, so much so that all this water from the river is all over the flesh while you are shechting it. And that is, in fact, the reason why it's going to be muksher lekabotuma. That's how this meat got muksher from the soaking wet water of the river. Okay, in the old and olden days, I don't, I don't think anybody in this room is old enough to remember. Remember when dentists used to, used to not wear um, gloves and masks? So I remember. Um, I actually am old enough to remember. I think the no gloves. I'm not sure about the mask. Anyway, so 
I don't know. Garanowitz always complains. He says I should I should be more like Johnny Carson because it's more entertaining. So I do for some reason remember Johnny Carson with a uh, dental joke because he he used to because it was in olden days he used to complain about dentist's breath. He said the only thing that smells worse than a dentist's breath is taking a carpool with five wet grizzly bears. I don't even know what that means, but anyway, uh, that I can't uh, that that image. Jumped into my mind, unfortunately, when I read about the soaking wet uh, cow and animal. Anyway, all right, five lines up from the wide. It's not because of the, the time that I wasted taking to that joke. It is not for that reason that we're not going to finish all the way to the daf. But God willing, tonight we'll have a little bit of homework. And I wish everybody luck finishing the parak and learning a little extra on Chaf Aleph. But anyways, we're five lines up from the wide lines on Chaf Ahmed Aleph. And Chaf Aleph Ahmed Aleph is where the, um, the parak ends. Okay, so... Let's, let, let's finish off of Hanina Skana Kohanim at least. So, at the final statement that was made was, Nimtsis befer, right, beperesh hakol tahor. This idea that if you found the needle in the excrement of the animal, then everything is going to be tahor. And we talked about Kalman's concept of tuma belua, and that this needle didn't touch the flesh at all, and therefore the animal passed it all the way through, and that's why the needle becomes tahor. But the Gemara asks, Venir de peresh venitme lebasar. Yeah, okay, so the excrement passed all the way through the animal. But it touched the animal's intestines. It touched the animal's busser. So why didn't it become tame from the busser by contact? Okay? So I answer the Gemara. Amar of right? In other words, passing through, in this particular case, by the excrement, why would that necessarily help with tumma? So you're going to say, oh, it's really tumma balua at that point because it never got open. It wasn't there for that stage. That would be Common's answer. Let's see what the Gemara answers. Right, because Common holds that, he, that uh, holds. Uh, Common has alerted us to the fact that when you shech the animal, right, then, then all of a sudden, that which was considered swallowed tumma during the time that it was inside the animal, all of a sudden reappears, resurfaces, as it were, and you get the tumma back. But if it's already been expelled in the excrement, so then it's, it's already past the point of where it, the tumma can resurface. So let's see. If that's what the Gemara answers, Amar Vada Bar Hava, Beperish Ava. Right. So uh, that that in fact would be true. That would be true if the excrement was in fact thick. Um, right. In other words, if the excrement was thick, so then it in fact get gets passed all the way through, and therefore the needle is going to be tahor. Ravashi, however, says Afilu. Tema beperish raka. Even if you say, don't forget, this animal is super hydrated. Well, that doesn't always um, that doesn't always affect it. But let's say the animal was extremely hydrated, and the excrement was very. Sometimes when you're dehydrated, the excrement is loose for whatever reason. Right, the waste of the animal was very watery. And meshub dehave mashkis saruach. And what the Ravashi is saying is that even if it was watery, even if it was a watery. Um, excrement, then despite this high water content, it would be mashke saruach. It's considered putrid. And therefore putrid, we say, is not going to be machshil akaval tumah. Right? And so, and that makes sense. Because I said before, the zayin mashkim, right? So we said, let's say, let's take the dam and the, and, and the mine, right? The last of the seven mashkim. And we said dam doesn't always machshil akaval tumah, because that's to be dam that dam kachim would not uh, count because it has to be dam that could be thrown on the ground. So similarly, maim, not all maim 
is going to be Machshil Kabbal Tumah. We hold that wastewater and putrid water, it already gets out of the category of mine, right? That's not the kind of mine that can be Machshil Kabbal Tumah. So that even though there's a lot of things like waste and there are a lot of other things, a lot of liquids have a very high water content. But that doesn't mean that we hold like it's mime for the purposes of machshul kabotuma. That kind of sewage is not machshul kabotuma, and therefore that's what you would consider, right? The innards of the animal, and that's why it works. And we could say now hadron Allah to Rav Chanina Skana Kohanim. We are at the end of Chanina's testimony of that needle, and we're going to briefly still talk about tumor transition. We're going to, so we're two lines up from the wide, and let's keep going. Tani Tani Kameda of Sheshis. What time is it? 6.08. Okay. Baruch Hashem. So Tani Tani Kameda of Sheshis. Sheretz Metame Samashkin. Umashkin Metame Sakli. Okay, this was a brisa, and it was taught before of Sheshis. So it was the chain of Tuma, the chain of Tuma passing along. The Sheretz was Metame the Mashkin. Okay, that, that we understand. We could see a sheretz, we know that a sheretz can be metam mashkin. Umashkin metam in a sakli. Well, that is, that is controversial. We heard that that was originally, uh, the position of Rabbi Yehuda, that the mashkin can be metam akli, but he had retracted that position. So we'll, we'll look into that. Okay, but be that as it may, let's assume that mashkin can be metam akli, or hold like that. You hold like that shita, right? We had, we had four, four different shitas on that. Ukli metame sa ochlin. Oh, well, that we know it can. Ukli is metame ochlin. Fa ochlin metame sa mashkin. And we know that ochlin can be metame mashkin, vice versa. Vilamanu shalosh tumas besheretz. Says the brisa. And there you go. Three levels of tumma that you can contract from a sheretz. So the first thing the Gemara asks is, wait a minute. The sheretz is metame the mashkin. That's one. Then the mashkin is the time of the kli, that's two. Kli is the time of the ochlin, that's three. Ochlin is the time of mashkin, that's four. So why are you now announcing that this is three different transmissions? We just counted four. Says the Gemara, honey, arbahain. I can count the difference between three and four. I just counted four. Um, right, the trans- transition all the way to the fourth degree tumah, starting from the sharats. So the Gemara says, guz, mashkin, deresha. Let's delete, cut out. The first case of mashkin, where the mashkin is metame the kli. And then you just have the sheretz the metame the kli directly. And then the kli metame the ochlin, which is the second. And then the ochlin metame the mashkin. And the third, and it all makes sense, etc. So the Gemara says, though, Adarabo, guz mashkin to seifa. Why are you taking out the first mashkin? Why don't you take out the last mashkin and have it, the sheretz metame the mashkin, it's metame the kli, it's metame the ochlin, and leave it at that. And then you'll still have three. And so what, who's to say that you're cutting out the, the first mashkin? Why are you not cutting out the second reference to mashkin? Right, we do. It is interesting that you have mashkin twice. So the Gemara says, Lo Yeah, well, the reason we're cutting out the mashkin in the beginning is because the only one of the four shitas that held that a mashka can actually be metame, a kli, right, which we learned by Nadav Tezayim, was Rabbi Yehuda. And in fact, we learned by the time we got to Yud Zayin Bez, that Rabbi Yehuda retracted that position. And therefore, we learn, and therefore we learn that what? That it's actually three transmissions starting from the Sheretz to the Kli, and then the Kli to the Ochlin, and the Ochlin to the Mashkin, a very straightforward sequence of events where you get a three degrees of Tumah starting from a Sheretz. Beautiful. 
And you can even have a mnemonic, says the Gemara, to remember the sequence, v'simonech naz yasa. It's a mnemonic, the art, the art scroll calls the simon, right? You can remember it from naz yasa. How did, what does naz yasa have to do with this? First of all, what is naz yasa? Naz yasa is a beer keg. So what Rashi explains is you learn it from the beer making process, right? So Andrew, because you're familiar with making beer, you know when you make beer, you, have the, the, you first have the vessel, and then, right, you, first you have the vessel, and then the vessel you put in the ochlin, like the hops, and then the ochlin, and then you put in the, first you have the vessel, then you put in the hops, and then you put in the liquid, and so that's how you remember the sequence of, of kli, and then solid ochlin, and then mashkin. All right, the many of us are not master brewers, so I had a cardiologist in Israel who told me, call me, uh, you can email me anytime if you have any questions. And his, his email was masterbrewer.com at gmail.com. I was like, um, I found that concerning. Like, why, why is he so into brewing beer? Anyway, so four lines up from uh, the bottom over here. It's not awesome. Let's talk about klicheres and how in klicheres you can actually transmit tuma. So we learned in the Mishnah, where was this Mishnah learned? In Kalim. Sheretz shenimtza betanur. You found sheretz in the oven. Hapas shebesocho shnia mipnesha toner tchila. Right. In other words, the bread, you have a sheretz and you found it in the oven. And you also have bread in the, in the oven because you're baking bread. So the bread is going to be a sheni latuma because the oven is considered a rishon latuma. Well, the chiddush here is that the bread is not a rishon latuma. Right? You have the sheretz in the same oven as the bread, why isn't the bread getting the direct tumah from the sheretz? Why is it getting it from the oven in a right sequence? After all, would you consider the entire airspace of a, of a klicheres to be filled with tumah? If so, so then whatever source of tumah you have, in this case is a sheretz, right? Whatever source of tumah you would have in the oven would like fill up the entire airspace of the oven and then the oven itself and everything and all its contents would all be a first degree tumah. And so we have here a chiddush. When the sheretz is in the oven, the bread does not become a first degree tumah. It becomes a second degree tumah. It has to go by association through the oven. So amalei rav adabar havalarava v'nechzi lehai tanor this is what Ravada Barava pointed out. Why are we saying that the bread is a second degree Tumah? Let us say that the Tanur, right, that the oven is completely filled with Tumah, airborne Tumah, filling up the airspace of this said oven, oven and creating a first degree Tumah with the bread that was baked in it. To which Rava replied as follows, you should not think that Think of it. That should not be the, your visualization of the oven as being completely full of tumah. Why? Because we learned in the You might have thought that everything that's in a oven is in fact tame because it's f- as if the oven is completely filled. The airspace is f- filled with tumah. Tamad lomar. As we as we turn to chafam abeis, call asher betzocho yitma. The pasuk says anything inside it shall be tame. And then again, it's juxtaposed immediately following this pasuk by a qualification, which is that any food that can be eaten or, or drink or liquid that can be drunk. From that um, sequence of the psukim, we learn the following inference. That the foods can in fact 
be metame from the airspace of the of of the oven of the klicheres the ain kol hakele metame me klicheres. See that? In other words, we learn that the airspace of a klicheres is in fact metame, but besamechle mikola ochel, which means that it says that it's food that's metame from the other klicheres, but kelim not. Now wait a minute. Now wait a minute. This this piece of bread was in fact uh, ochel. <laughs> So then it should be metame from the airspace of klicheres. Okay. So that is, that, that, that is really, uh, in a certain sense, surprising. But the point of the Gemara here is that just, but even if it's not ochel, even if it's just kalim, that's not going to be metame directly. The point is that we break this concept of the airborne tuma in a klicheres. That the way klicheres works is that not like the air is dense with tuma? Because if that was the case, it would be matame both food and kalim, right? And everything would become a rishon. So therefore, you have to say that it's not as if the oven is filled with dense tuma, but rather it's it it has the tuma because it contains the sharetz, and therefore the oven has to sort of contract the tuma and then pass it on to its contact to its contents. So that's what. So since the kli is a rishon, then it, that's why it could only contaminate, right, ochlin and mashkin, but not kalim. Which is to say that, in other words, the tumah that you're going to contract is not going to be a direct tumah. In other words, just because it te- the Pasuk teaches you that the ochlin inside the oven gets tumah doesn't mean that it's the same level of tumah as the sherets. All it's teaching you is that it's going to be a sheni latumah. Now, kalim can't be the sheni latumah, right? Only ochlin and mashkim can be, and ch- what we call chulin, right? Ochlin and mashkim can be sheni latumah. Ah, uh, so now we know why, right? So in other words, we know that it's true that an oven, the inside of a klicharis can in fact impart tumah to its contents, but by the fact that it can only impart tumah to ochlin and mashkin and not to kalim, we learn that it creates a sheni betumah by the ochlin or mashkin, and we learn that the mechanism is not this simultaneous density of tumah that makes everything the same tumah as if the sheretz itself was being metame, but rather by association. The sheretz is metame the klicheres, and the klicheres is metame the contents. And that's why it can only be, if that's the case, then the klicheres can only be metame the ochlin or mashkin, and can only make them sheni latumah. And the kalim itself, inside, it cannot be matame at all. And that's why we know that the bread, even though it was simultaneous, is going to be a sheni latoma. So it's tame nonetheless, but it's sheni latoma. Okay. We, do, we have now concluded the discussion of the tuma and tara hadranalach to this. If we, we could stop here and it would have been a great accomplishment, but we have minutes left, so let, let, let's keep going. Let's talk about, um, back to the, to what we discussed in Yudalid. So if you might, if you can remember back that far, when we started on this journey, we talked about how, whether you can burn Tameh Truma with, right, that, that Truma that's Suffolk Tameh with Truma that's Suffolk Tahar, or Truma that's Tameh with Truma that's Tluya. Tluya meaning Suffolk Tameh, Suffolk Tahar. And whether you, they can be in the same uh, pile, in the same bonfire in Erev Pesach. So let's go back to that. Let's see. Avchista Rame Pischa Pischa. Avchista was teaching, was trying to talk about, right, what did we say? We said, again, the original Mishnah at the very beginning of this parak, because we put a bow on it, was 
Can we, in fact, burn the truma tuluya with the truma tamea, chametz on Erev Pesach in the same bonfire? So he said, well, let's compare it to, let's say, the two kachim, kachim tamea, right, and kachim or, or wine that was tamea with wine that was a, sec- a, a first or second degree tuma. So we had all of these, all of these suggestions, and we said that those are not a good comparison. As Rav Chisa over here says, Rav Chisa Rami Pischa Pischa. He said that these two kinds of cases are in fact not the same. As follows. really say that both types of chametz, that can they actually be burnt together in our Mishnah? Viruminhu. We said, in contrast to this, right? We said, Amar Domelaraya. This is all what we learned then. Rabbi when he saw this comparison in our Mishnah of the chametz to, let's say, the korbanos, that the, this is not a good sushtal, right? This is not a good comparison. Why? right? Because when we had this testimony of Avchanina Skana Kohanim about what they did in the base of Mikdash, what was their testimony about? If you're going to say, well, in the base of Mikdash, this is what we did. We would take the meat that was a well, that was, let's say, a Rishon uh, of Lada Tumah, that was, let's say, a Sheni Latuma or, or some tor- sort of meat that was a derivative Tuma. If your point was that you have two different meats, right, that are burned together in the base of Mikdash, right, even though they have disparate levels of Tuma that they're contaminated with, so you'll say, well, that's not similar to having two kinds of chametz, one that's truma tahor, tah, potentially tahora, and one that's tamea, because in the case of the base of Mikdash with the meats, both were certainly tame. The only difference between them was that they were not the same level of tuma. So we don't really, usually in life, we try to keep the different levels of tuma apart. But when you're already burning it on the Mizbeach, we don't care. As long as it's tame, we're already not going to be as, right, particular about what level of tuma we're burning. We can burn the different levels of tuma together. And similarly, um, with regards to the oil, the shaman, right? Calendrical coincidence. We already said it. So let's say the oil of truma was, was, came in contact with a tvul yom. So that's a lower level of tuma of ner shenitma bitmei meis, certainly, right? That's a more intense tuma. And yet, we would burn those two types of oil together. They could be lit in the same Menor, in the same Chanukiah, as it were, in the same menorah. So I would say, between mace, I will say, that possible is that Tame, right? Okay, so fine. The one that, the Shemin that was Nisfil Betul Yom, remember, the Tvul Yom is a Sheni Latoma. The Shemin, therefore, is only going to contract it. It's only going to contract the third degree Tuma because it's Truma, right? Because it's, in fact, more susceptible to Tuma than most Chulin. And therefore, we call it Pasal. But it's, it's tame, but puzzle is what we call something which is at the end of the line. It can't impart tuma. But be that as it may, that shaman that got the tvul yom, uh, that got tame from the tvul yom is puzzle, which means that it's tame itself. And the other shaman certainly that was nitme betme mace, that's a more intense tuma. So, but they're both in, in essence tame. And in that case, we're going to say that certainly you could, um, burn them together because they're both, not, neither of them are tahor. So therefore, there we'll also agree. 
that these two trumas that had the contamination by varying degrees of tuma that they can be burned together. But how can you compare the case of the oil and the case of the basar to this what? To this case of chametz, where you have one, okay, is for sure vade tame, and the other pile is what? Tluya. It could be tahar legamre. It could be completely tahar. Shema yavo Eliyahu Maybe Eliyahu Navi is going to come and reveal that that pile of truma tluya, uh, that pile of suffix truma, was in fact completely tahar. And then it would have turned out that you didn't burn two different levels of tuma, but you literally burn something tame with something tahar. That we could never allow. That's certainly not um, a, compar- a proper comparison. So you can't compare the levels of tuma with the meat and levels of tuma with the oil to one thing that's tame and another thing that possibly could be tahar, lagamre, with the chametz. So Mishani, Rav Chista resolved the contradiction as follows. Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Shua, and Rabbi Yossi Shua. It was a machlokas, Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Yossi, right, as to whether you can burn Truma Tuluya together with Tame Truma. Um, and Rabbi Yossi held that even Rabbi Yeshua would say that you can't, that you can't do it, but Rabbi Shimon said that in fact that's okay. He allows it. Okay. To which the Gemara says, how do we know that? The Tanya, because Gemara says, our boss are Shechalios Bishabis, as we will have this year. Heir of Pesach, the falls out on Shabbos. Mevar and Esachal, Melifne HaShabbos. And you have to do on Erev Shabbos all the burning. The surfin, as we already re- recorded this, surfin trumos tomeos, tluyos with tahoros, all the different kinds of trumos. Divi Rebbe Meir. The Meir, actually, as you might recall, said that you can burn everything together, even at the tahor with the tame. Wow. The Biosi, however, was the other extreme, that everything is compartmentalized, different piles of bir chametz. Rebbe Yossi, Omer, tahor bifneatzma, tluyos bifneatzma, that each of the categories has to be burned by itself. Right? That Rabbi Eliezer and Yeshua both agreed that you don't want to burn Tame with Tar. Remember, there is a man de Amar, Rabbi Meir, said that it was okay that, that Tar and, and Tame, why did he say it was okay? As you might recall, it's not quite as horrible as you might think, because at the end of the day, right, they're both being burned. So, they're both being burned anyway. So once they're both being burned, they sort of lose all their characteristics, whether it's tar, tummy, any of their value. So it's as if, so, so it's the great equalizer, right? The fire makes everything like, like dust anyways. So Rabbi Mayer has, is right to say it, but we were so careful about keeping Tuma and Tara apart. Oh, I didn't realize what time it was that we, I apologize. So anyway, we see in the end that this was in fact the Machlokas Tanayim in the Mishnah. We arrived almost to 12 lines down from the wide lines and we were zoche to finish the concept of Chanin Eskana Kohanim may become Alach Lamaisa soon.